welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. So when you guys were recording last week using my computer, who who was the one that was manning it? Was it you or Rap? Rap. Uh, did you see did you see my desktop? No. No. Okay. I spent like 20 minutes before Rap came and picked it up so he could bring it to you guys to record, cleaning it up so I looked like a normal human being. Oh. Yeah. Because I had literally probably 200 documents on my desktop just scattered all over the place. Yep. I had like... Actually, I did remember seeing it. It was like, oh, it's really ordered. <laughs> I had like 20, 25 open tabs. And on the bottom of the computer, I had like probably 12 or 13 reduced documents. All in different places. Okay. And so I, what I finally did actually was I, I, just, I just selected every single thing on my desktop and put it in a file called desktop. <laughs> so now, now my desktop is like completely empty except this one file that says desktop. And if you open that up, there's probably, yeah, there's not many things are in there. A lot. A lot of things. Yep. It's, it's not even, it hasn't even loaded yet. Anyway. Um, so I was, hope, I was trying to impress you guys by my organization. Yeah, it was helpful. It doesn't exist, but... Yes, well played. Yes. So now yeah, I it's kind of like kind of cleaning your house before the maid comes. Yeah, exactly. You know? Trina. Yeah, Trina's our housekeeper. She's <laughs> awesome. But I always like feverishly spend like forty five minutes just like doing all this stuff before she gets in. <sighs> I've heard people do that. I'm, I've actually kept this room quite. Right now, the studio is down in my bedroom, and uh, I've kept it quite organized. I think you don't have much stuff. I, I don't, but. Uh, it's still like I'm, I've made my bed every single morning since I've lived here. Wow! Yeah, that's impressive. I, I've checked. I I, <laughs> I I actually roll up my t-shirts and put them on a shelf instead of just like picking them out of the laundry basket once they're clean. Are they back there? Yeah. Oh, nice. They're in the uh, gun. What do we call that room? The gun room, wine room. You guys got to see this. I had I had somebody ask me like, are, are what color are the walls in the room you're staying in? And I said I don't even know, but. They said, I'll come in and paint them something nice if they're just bare white. And I got down here, I was like, nope, they're actually really eccentric and interesting. Just like everything in this house. Green Including fabric. the personalities. Yeah. <laughs> Wood. Yeah, you're not going to renovate this room, are you? Not for a while. Okay, because I like it. Oh, yep. horrible echo. Oh, it's crazy. B- bummer, dude. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Okay, well, we didn't have it last time. Yep. Well, we should have been talking about suffering and patience. <laughs> Yeah. For this one, then. <laughs> it's so weird because I did, didn't do it with Mike and I. Yeah. Uh, I can't do it. I took off the headphones. Yeah, that's fine. I'll, we think we got everything figured out, and then it just goes south. I'll try to monitor it, but anyway, we need to bring in a professional. So uh, so anyway, you had all your notes last time and because um, you based it on a talk, and I'm just going to pretty much talk about what my homily was this morning. Now I just have a picture of a bird. Yeah. That's my notes. Not a loon. Um, so anyway, the uh, the gospel this morning was Luke 21, and uh, you haven't said Mass yet, but you will. So it's, uh, um, uh, let me just read the, the part that everybody would know. Um, all right. You will be, before all this happens, however, they will seize and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and the prisons. They will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. It will lead your giving testimony. 
Remember, you are not to prepare your defense beforehand, for I myself will give you a wisdom in speaking that all your adversaries will be powerless to to, uh, resist or refute. I can't do it either. I'm hearing myself echo, and I'm going to take it off too. Um, They will be powerless to resist or refute. Um, So I was thinking about persecution, and uh, you know what I'm coming to realize is that there's a lot of a lot of the things that we think we handle well, the thing, the things that we think um, we as Christians can kind of psych ourselves up and just do well without God, even subconsciously, um, like the stereotypical ones are like love and forgiveness. Love and love and forgiveness are things of God. Those are those are hmm. are divine things. And if we think we can love without tapping into God's grace, it's false. If we think we can forgive without tapping into His grace, it's false. And when I was preparing for this homily this morning, I thought. That's what all enduring persecution is. Like when we are persecuted, we, I mean, I, I tend to think, you know, going back to the, the story that happened a few, a while ago that I, I podcasted with rap um, about the, the um, uh, misnomer, the, uh, the false, false accusation. Or yeah, false. it was, yeah, it wasn't really a false. It was, it was a, a false mistaken identity. Yeah. yeah that's mistaken identity. That's probably better. Yeah. And so <laughs> it was a mistaken identity about me. And I thought, and I, my, in, in my, to my shame, when I got the call uh, causing all the tension, it was in the um, um, Impenetrable to the Prowler podcast, if you haven't heard it yet. But, but when I got the call and I was like afraid I was going to get arrested and all the other things that weren't going to happen and that didn't happen, thank God. But I, I made two phone calls and like kind of psyched myself up psychologically before I even said a single prayer. Hmm. And I've shared that on the podcast. But it, it was really to my shame and it was very humbling to say later on when I said... When, when tension and anxiety came my way, I, I was quite proud of myself for being able to stay calm and for making a couple phone calls, getting all this stuff figured out when, when it was a really horrible situation. But it, I was, it, obviously God was there, but I was completely relying on myself. And that wasn't persecution per se, but I think that, that's what this gospel is about. In other words, Christ endured persecution gracefully. He carried his cross well. He... he endured when he could have come flying off the cross and just kicked butt. You know, he, he, he endured my last podcast. He was patient. Um, and that endurance. And so really enduring and persecution, if, if you want it to be done well, Christ is in a sense, um, heightened the, the ability raised up the dignity of enduring persecution. Um, Enduring persecution or, or just being persecuted was just a purely a negative thing before Christ. It, it was yeah. only bad. It was only evil. Christ, like many things, he made enduring persecution good. He made it um, profitable Instead to our salvation. Instead of just stoicism. Yeah, yeah. Where you just don't show any uh, emotion or yeah. you just deal with it. How many philosophies and religions believe in that? Es- escapism, you know, just it, just forget about it for a while. Go go into your find your happy place, you know. I think even I think even Marcus Aurelius like in his philosophy is like just be impenetrable. Yeah. Just walk through it. Don't yeah. show any any emotion. Let it roll right off your back and that's like the way of of almost like enduring persecution through escapism. You know, I I just I I'm I'm my mind's going to be elsewhere. And Christ obviously didn't escape. He did not want to take the gall. He did not want to take the wine. And, and because he wanted to be present, um, even in a human way. Um, but th- that's, in a sense, one thing I'm seeing here. This has always been a, an interesting gospel to me, and I think because it's, you, you can, this can be a cop-out. You can say, you know, I just won't prepare. 
God will help me in the moment, you know, and, and there's obviously things that God does want us to prepare for, you know, responsibility, lives lived well, virtue, good habits. Um, but so it can be a cop out, but I think there's something here that says, if you're preparing for, for real persecution, especially if it comes through the devil or, or, you know, evil, those who are participating in evil, if, if you're trying to endure by your own psychological merits, your own, yeah. even, even in a sense, the virtues that come through mm-hmm. habit that are merely human, you know, you're not going to do it well. So don't even prepare. When the persecution comes, God is the only one who can endure well, gracefully, and he will also empower you to do it as well. Well, even St. Peter says the same thing, where he's like, other people will deny you, but I will never deny you. He has yeah. almost an overconfidence yeah. that, like, I know that in this in that moment when it comes, and it's like, you don't even know. Yeah. You don't even know, like, how severe this is going to affect you. Yeah. And I've prayed that you that you would not fail. Yeah. Um so instead of you praying that you would not fail and acknowledging Lord I don't want to fail, Jesus actually says, I've already prayed for you that you may not fail. Yeah. So and the foolish rich man, you know, he built up his barns and his but, silos and, you know, t- tomorrow your life will be, you know, taken from you and he thinks eat, drink and be merry, you know, and it's, but yeah. He thinks I can, I could, in, I could go through anything because I have all of these material goods yeah. and it's like you fool. And I need to prepare and I, I need to prepare and, uh, and there's, so I, mean, I, I so that's what it's like. If, if you, if you are suffering, if you or I or anybody is suffering persecution, that there, there is a. We can either feel sorry for ourselves and pout and moan and despair, um, or we can say we can kind of tap into ourselves and just say, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna endure this persecution. You know, it, it's kind of like one of my frustrations when people say, um, if you, what is it, kill them with kindness, you know, and I, I, I get it. Like if we're being persecuted by somebody. Um, responding with kindness, but but it, it it loses its purpose if it's done as a weapon. Like if, if kindness is used as a weapon, it, it loses its purpose. Same thing with the forgiveness. Like you say, people say like forgiveness is not for them; it's for you. And I agree with that in in a very real sense. But you're still saying you're still saying I I reject their dignity, even even the offender, even the person who hurt me. Like if I'm only forgiving for myself. There, there's still a lack of, of God there. And now that might be for a time. And we can say, I, right now, I'm not psychologically ready to forgive and, and to think even highly of that person, even to, even to pray for them, because then I have to think of them, I have to have them in my mind. And that's fine for a time. But, but the, the time has to come if it's going to be of God, where the ones who persecute us, we have to love our enemies. You know, we, we have to. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be p- more pious than anybody or holier than thou. It's like I'm, I'm preaching to myself here too. But there is a very real sense where um, in persecution, we cannot do it well. We cannot say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That, that, that's superhuman. It's, it, it's not, we, we can't do that. We can say those words, but we can't really mean that with our heart without Christ being part of that conversation and, and speaking from his perspective. Either. So how do you prepare for persecutions when you don't even know when it's going to come? I think that's the beauty of this reading, though, is you don't need to know when it's going to come. Because you don't need to prepare for it. I mean, like we try to, and, and I mean, again, this kind of counter, this contradicts what we were talking about last time. Because virtue, we were talking about patience in the patience podcast. Mm-hmm. We're talking about that, and we're, we're saying, like I've even said when I was a kid, I told my mom, you know, like I, I thought I'd take cold showers every day because I want to be able to endure if, if for some reason we have, do not have hot water when I grow up or something like that. If we never have hot water, I want to be able to say. 
you know, everybody's whining about it, but this is, I'm used to this. I'm ready you know? for this. Right, I'm ready for this. I've been ready for it because I've been practicing. And th- th- in a sense, that's good. We, we practice listening to Christ. I think that's the, the virtue here is, is if I practice listening, then I know that God speaks. If I, if I, if I daily spend some time just listening, then when God says, I will assist you, but you have to be listening and don't prepare hand. Don't you know, shut up for a second. Don't stop talking, but, but I will speak when you need it most. You know, in those moments when you're being persecuted, then, then I will give you the words to say that they cannot contradict. Um, so it's kind of like boot camp. Boot camp gives us sort of the, the practices that we need in order to be able to execute when the time of war is upon us. But yeah. then, no one can adequately prepare for war. Right. I mean, it's a lot of it is is instinct, and a lot of it's, I mean, training and a whole lot of luck, protection, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but then what do you do when you're in the middle of it? When you're in the middle of war, and you're in the middle of the the fight. Yeah. What about marriage? We try to prepare yeah. people for marriage, True, yeah. and it's like we, we we can we can prepare a couple. We can say everything there is, and yet you're still like none of this stuff is not. You're not going to flow gracefully through marriage now. Like mm-hmm. there's so many battles and fights and all the things that there are, and we've tried to prepare you, but in those moments you have to rely on Christ. That's why I love the the Byzantine tradition of of the couple walks around the tetrapod three times at the wedding ceremony. Um, and as, as much as that's like a, it, the symbolism of, of the circle is, is being in, impenetrable. It's, it's strength because there's no weak points in a circle like St. Michael's in Rome, you know, the castle built is a circle. There's no weak points. There's no strong points. There's no weak points. And that's how a marriage is. And so you, you circle the tetrapod three times, but that's also like a hurricane or a tornado, you know, that marriage could be like a hurricane or a tornado. So you have in the center, you have the gospel on sitting on the table. Hmm. because the the calm and the storm is the gospel it's it's a living and active word of god so when life does get tumultuous when those things that you cannot prepare for come up i mean we talk about all the time they didn't teach me this in seminary you know we have these situations in our priesthood oh yeah but like like at, at those moments you just have to listen you have to submit and you have to listen to christ and how is he speaking right now and so i mean you could take you know the moment in this gospel you know and say the moment of persecution and the moment of anxiety and the moment of stress and the moment of marital strife, you know, don't you don't even try to prepare, you know, just listen. And then you'll realize that God has been preparing you. You've been preparing, been preparing yourself too through habit virtue. Um, but it's in those moments where I think we just, there, there is a, there is a real surrender. And the whole point of this gospel, I believe is that, is that that's really hard to do. It's really hard to not prepare. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to, to just say, in that moment, I need to listen. Well, I mean, one thing that I gleaned from the book Lone Survivor is that part of what they're doing in the Navy SEAL training isn't just like preparing you for for war or for combat or to make you an excellent warrior. Mm-hmm. It's actually to say, can you work with others? Yeah. Like, are you, would you actually acknowledge that that you can't do this alone? Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and if you get a guy who's like super strong and he doesn't he doesn't care about anybody else and he's going to do it on his own, eventually that guy breaks. Yeah, and he's out. Like they they mentioned all the time. Like you know the did you read Lone Survivor? No. Like the uh, if you want to quit at any point during Navy SEAL training, you ring a bell. Okay. Uh, so like there's a bell in the middle of whatever, and you mm-hmm. just go and you just ring that bell and you're done. 
But it's like, it's actually to their shame because, like, they said, everybody else is going to ring that bell, but I'm telling you, I'm not going to. And some of these guys are like, they, they, fantasize about it yeah like they're like what would be but they're they actually they they're bonded in they're forged in community they're forged in brotherhood and uh if the christian life isn't about uh something of admitting our own weakness and relying upon the strength of god then i don't know what it is because ultimately you're not going you're not going to get through death alone you're not going to get to the other side, you know, to heaven alone. You're not going to overcome your sins alone. But we do a lot of that. Yeah. The the image I had this morning when I was preparing as well was, uh, you know, uh, some somebody said one time, you know, marriage isn't 50-50, it's 100-100. You know, you, you, you have to give yourself completely um, to the other, and they need to give themselves completely to you for it to work. And I think that's the same thing as spiritual life. You know, for th- for this gospel not to be a cop-out, it's like I, I am expending myself 100%, and just like you said, that is not enough. My 100% is not enough. It's not enough to get me through, and that's a very humbling thing, and it's it's very un-PC, um, hmm. but to say, like, I give myself 100%, and they're still 100% lacking, and that 100% has to come from Christ, but he also needs me. You know, there, there's also a place in Divine Liturgy where the where, um, you take boiling hot water and add it to the consecrated chalice. You have consecrated blood of Christ. You add hot water to it, and the priest uh, blesses it and says the the fervor of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, and that the fervor, the enlivening of the faith, is is what allows us to receive the blood of Christ. But so it's one hundred percent the Holy Spirit that made this blood of Christ. But it's also without me, without the priest, it wouldn't be the body of Christ either. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it takes it takes one hundred percent my action, and that still wouldn't make it the body of Christ. And in a sense, this hopefully is blasphemous, but the Holy Spirit can't give lay people the blood of Christ without the priest. Yeah, and so there, there, there's there's like this hundred percent symbiotic relationship, but like they're hundred percent work of the two, and the, the, those two full efforts combined allow the kingdom of God to function in the world. It's hard because like some of the greatest uh, evangelists, apostles, witnesses, teachers of the faith. Um, you know, eventually get to a point where they have to say, I can't do this, you know, yeah. like even St. Paul, like, and, um, and, uh, you know, he says, I asked to be delivered three times yeah. from this affliction, this thorn in the flesh. Yeah. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Yeah. And I hate living out of weakness. <laughs> yeah. I would much rather have every single thing added to me yeah. and then... I mean, I don't, I don't really need to call in for anything, right? You know, that's a, that's one of the things that I and I, Jesus just knows I need constant consolation. But it's amazing how quickly, if I'm in a moment of of utter weakness and usually complete embarrassment, how quickly I feel joy after that, completely inexplicable joy. And I, I don't think I could function without that. Um, but I was just sharing that last night with somebody too. But it's in those moments when I. When I had, uh, I was telling you a story about uh, this situation. I got a, a call at two in the morning when I was here a couple weeks ago from the police, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't wake up, and it was on my cell phone. And the uh, I went the entire day because that cop was off duty, having no idea what he's calling about. I rushed in the morning to my church; it was still exist, it didn't burn down the rectory, but somebody was in trouble, and I had no idea who it was. And I went the entire day just like stressing out. And then as soon as I found out, and it kind of everything calmed down, and then I thought. 
I actually, like, the active surrender I had to do throughout the day, like, I couldn't just stop functioning. I had to say Mass for, for uh, St. Vincent Paul. I had to do morning prayer. All these times I have this back in my mind, something was so horrible that the cops had to call me at 2 in the morning, and, and I don't know what it is. And then I thought, I actually miss, that was a battle. It was only, thank God, for, like, you know, 12 hours. Mm-hmm. But it was a battle, and, and I actually missed it. I got nostalgic for the... The, like the utter surrender I had to do minute to minute when I started getting anxious and stressed out about the situation. Right. Um, but but that, that's uh, there's a great character. Again, I'm, I'm reading this book now, so it's on my mind, but the book Loris, I'll, I'll find the author in a second. Um, but there's this, uh, there's this Franciscan called Brother Hugo. And, uh, and he, I love him because he, he, they, they encounter him when they're on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And He's riding on a donkey, and this donkey is absolutely irascible. It's it's biting him all the time. It's throwing him off, and I don't want to give too much away, but they're, they're crossing through the Swiss Alps, and and the donkey slides off a cliff and dies, and and the, the, this this monk misses it so much, and he says that donkey kept me humble. There's nothing to keep me humble now. So he's like this kind of chubby Franciscan, and and, and he's he's walking behind these two like deep mystic and f- mystics and philosophers and he's he's wise but he's he, he likes walking between two war horses on a donkey and he says the donkey would keep on biting him and he come it keeps me humble so when he ended up in venice they gave him the franciscans there gave him another donkey and he said i don't want this one it's it's not it's not biting me it's not keeping me humble like he liked being tossed off it he liked his it, it mm. kind of kept him humble and that he he was in a sense tapping into the fact that if i was riding a war horse I wouldn't have the same virtue right now of being bitten and bucked off and all these things by by a donkey. And then the the other monks kind of said, "Oh, don't worry. Like this one's this one's going to keep you humble." They said, "That's why we want to get rid of it. That's why we're giving it to you." And he finds out later on. Certainly, I'm, I'm only at that point now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that there is something about finding finding joy in the battle. I mean, you talk about going back to war. I mean, my my buddy, you know, um, Ricky, who's a, a Green Beret, you know, he he misses it. You know, I, I think most men that, that get out of, of military service, they miss it. And it's like they miss the the battle. They miss the fight. And even though in the moment they, they'd rather be home with their families, I'm sure every single one would. But when they're done with it, they're looking back and they're saying there was there was kind of an existential beauty there. Um, and I think that's what also comes from the battle of not preparing. And, and again, we need to, we always have to prepare. We need to qualify that. But the, the battle of saying... I, when, when, when something beyond my ability comes up, I do not need to rise to the occasion as a human being. I need to rise to the occasion as someone who's, who's receiving, who's listening to Christ. And that's even harder. It, it goes against so much of our humanity. And that's, we need to, in a sense, build up that ability to say, in the moment of great stress, when I'm dealing with something bigger than me, I build up the virtue of pausing and asking for help. And, and being just a listener, not letting anxiety kind of dull my hearing, not letting my anxiety dull my vision of what Christ is doing, but rather in that moment, I, I, I am so used to asking for help and being a listener in that moment, um, whether it's the humility like, like Brother Hugo and, you know, just kind of this daily humiliation he has from this, the real, this donkey in his life, um, or like what I just failed miserably when I psychologically call myself down before even praying, you know, when I had that, that moment of anxiety. So, so then do you have somebody who you actually can look to kind of like I asked in the last podcast where it's just like, whether it's a saint or a person that's like, he's prepared well for persecution. You know, the first person that came to mind was Moses of Ethiopia, uh, the saint. And he was, 
he was a robber and a thief and a murderer. And he used to run with his gang in the countryside in Ethiopia, just killing and robbing and murdering. And he ended up um, having a major conversion and became a monk and, and really never had fame in his life. This is, I, I actually wanted to go to McCarrick, Cardinal McCarrick and be like, you need to take this man as your patron. Like he died. He never, he never redeemed himself. He was never in the world and honored, but he still became a saint. Like he lived the rest of his life be uh, the ascetical i kind of mary of egypt same thing like they 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 never came back into the world and and kind of became got got power or anything like that they lived the rest of their life as, as, as ascetics but they became saints like that's the beauty of it and mostly of ethiopia was killed by a robber and a murderer like in the monastery wow. so like well, the same thing he used to do he ended up dying by but he lived a life of great asceticism until then um and it, it's kind of the, it's kind of the waiting, you know. I I'm not I'm not going to pretend. It's like that's why frustration with stories like Augustine and Francis. Okay, Paul, you know, they lived these horrible lives, but then they became amazing, right? True. They became very well known and respected. But someone like McCarrick, I hope, is never well respected in this world. But I do hope he's a saint. I hope he goes to heaven one day. But 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 there's this, you know. In, in other words, there's a. I, I'm just I, I'm waiting for Christ to work, and I'm I'm you know, just listening and, and not trying to define my own life in those ways. I do what I can. I give a hundred percent, but I, that's still not enough unless Christ also gives a hundred percent. And that's, you know, when I have to listen to him. I know Shap, you said, he's like, I used to bank on this passage. Um, Archbishop Shap, you said that he yeah. would bank on, you know, prepare, don't prepare. And okay. then he's like, oh, I prepare now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think what what you're communicating with that is yeah. he did the necessary work beforehand of Lord, this is in your hands. Yeah. You know, and I would just say there are certain people that just give off the impression that the battle is either upon us or it's coming. And uh, if you fight alongside of me, like we will, we will win. Yeah. And. Um, and it's not because we're going to outsmart them or we're going to outwork them or whatever. It's just like we know that that Christ is in the midst of the battle with us, yeah. and and we can do it together. So, yeah. um, I love saying in homilies, you know, what what is the proper response to Christ giving you a vocation? Like, what is the proper response when God says to you, "I need you to do this"? I think the proper response is, "Nope, impossible." Like I, I cannot, and I, that, that, that's if we say, "Yeah, that's great, Lord, I'll get right on it." You know, that's it's not we're yeah. not understanding the immensity of what He's calling us yeah. to. Every vocation is beyond us; it has to be, or it's not a vocation. Everything we're asked to do is bigger than us; it's too hard for us; it, it, it is impossible. Every single vocation, and so I think, and so the res- proper response of saying, "Nope, impossible," and then waiting for a response after that. Like my response to that vocation was, Lord, that's, that's too big for me. It's impossible. And then I'd listen because I know he's going to give me the ability to do it. I know he's going to be there with me and, and do it. So um, I think that's kind of the situation here that Jesus is speaking of is, is when we are invited into or commanded to do something that is too big for us, it is impossible, which happens all the time with Christ. That's when we say the, the, the preparation has been done. Like you said, and I've I've been striving for holiness my whole life. Um, I've been trying to listen better to God my whole life as much as I can. I failed over and over again, but I've been doing that. And in the moment, just whatever I have been able to gain in the virtue of being a good listener to God or not, um, in that moment, I just need to listen and do something because w- w- what the what the outcome is 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 beyond my ability. 
there's a great book by Walter Chiswick called He Leadeth Me, mm-hmm. where it's exactly that. I mean, this guy was a total stud and yeah. just worked really hard and then eventually ends up in a uh, Soviet gulag and and he he's completely isolated and alone and, and has to live in these horrible conditions. And all of the virtues that he had, while it prepared him for many other things, like he had to learn in the midst of the the Soviet camp, like it's God who upholds me. Mm. He leads me. Like, I don't lead myself. And uh, so Father Joseph Lajoie just sent us a text uh, because um, Dave O'Reilly, Father John's um, godfather and um, uncle, is dying of uh, leukemia. And um, so, yeah, I mean, like, and he's a warrior. David David O'Reilly's a warrior. I mean, he was a wrestling coach and just a stud. And uh, he's faced this well. And it's going to claim his life at some point. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think he was, he, he's ready, not because of his strength, but because he's like, Lord, I can't do this. You know, yeah. I just commend myself into your hands. So, yeah. and I, I, and that doesn't, that doesn't disqualify or remove the, the need for effort. Right. I mean, yeah. No. It, it's, it, there's, there, there's a like it's just it's too big. One hundred percent of our effort is not enough. So that doesn't mean we don't give one hundred percent, but it's just not enough. And that's where Christ steps in, and we just listen and leave room for for His work. Yeah, that was my homily. Rock out. <laughs> Turned into a podcast because I was. That's lazy. all right, dude. I, 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 took Actually, talk. I, I wasn't lazy today. I was. I was incredibly busy. Oh, well, you know, I sent you a text last night. Like, no, oh, yeah. ho- no holy hour this morning. I got six thirty mass. Yeah, I noticed that you weren't at Holy Hour this morning. Yeah, was, when I slept until late. Hundred <laughs> percent. That, that was your excuse not to do a Holy Hour when I sent you that text. Hundred percent. <laughs> kind of. Uh, well, that was short, but I don't have anything else. Do you have anything to add or inspire with? Or no, you need to get back to the office too. I do. I got to go face the the huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Okay. <laughs> so. Well, okay, I'm good. Actually, I I did every one of my shoutouts last time too. Oh, oh nice. let's do this. Yeah, you got you got a big box over yeah. there. Um, we did get a a card from uh, Kathy from uh, uh, Gosh, is she from North Carolina? Um, the front of the card looks very North Carolina. It's a crane or something. She listened to a podcast. She sent us some chocolate chip cookies. Don't give me that look like I did. I ate them all or whatever. Those were the ones that uh, I never we, hear about these things. They were at the house, and then uh, well, now that I live here, hopefully I'll be seeing. No, them they were at the companion's oh, house. Okay. They're at the companion's house. I think we had them at, at Lord's Day oh, or okay. something. So, um, uh, she sent us some uh, cookies that she says her husband enjoys with beer, uh, and she's um, uh, she's asking for a, a shout out to Anthony Ferguson. A joyful and energetic seminarian who finished his pastoral year at their parish, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, in Newport News, uh, Virginia. She's from Virginia. Um, so he started a podcast uh, through um, their their parish, Vici Mundum. Vici Mundum. So um, uh, her son, Patrick's a seminarian. Was that king of the world in your, in your Romanish Latin language? Con- probably conquer the world. Oh, conquer the world. Conquer, conquer the world. Okay. So, um, she asked for a shout out for, sorry, it's written on three different pages, but they're not, um, gosh, okay, so Anthony Ferguson, Ken White, 
and Austin Farenhold uh, on staff uh, at their parish. And um, so, again, their parish is Our Lady of Good Counsel, Our Lady of Mount Carmel in uh, Virginia. So, two, Kathy Walsh. Kathy Walsh, thank you for the cookies. Cool. And a shout-out to Patrick Pulis, I think P-U-L-I-S. He says, hey, guys, I'm a long-time listener of Catholic Stuff You Should Know. I love you guys. I thought you might enjoy our December box for Advent and Christmas. We handcrafted the box and curate items and give goals for you to grow in your faith each week. God bless Patrick Pulis, Saint of the Month. So go to saintofthemonth.com. And it's actually a really cool-looking box. It's like, it looks like recycled wood. And uh, there's but it's for every week, so you can't open them all right now. Well, there's every like a week, stack of stuff every week of Advent. Let it snow. There's some sort of food stuff. That's week here. two. Sorry. Oh, we're not. We're not even in December yet. Well, no. Open it up because we'll be in week two by the time this podcast. Comes I thought out. it was food. It's, it's bulbs for the tree. What? Like bulbs for a Christmas tree? Now all oh, those match. Perfect. Oh, and there's like there's inspiring things in here. Yeah, inspiring things. This is exciting. Okay, I won't open it again till week <laughs> one. This is inspiring. Yeah. Uh, okay finally uh as again i was cleaning my room and found a lot of shout outs that we didn't do so um sorry i'm reading this i thought this one said don't read my letter on on the air but i i don't think this this one um but she was writing in response to the 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 podcast that we did on the scandal. So um, she said, maybe because I was living in Dallas at the time, the scandal happened there. When this latest news came out, it sent me reeling. I felt scared, sad, angry, bewildered. And the official statements that initially came out while polished and well said, left me feeling a bit empty, which is why your honest and compassionate conversation was such a welcome relief. Although I've never met you, I nonetheless consider you all to be among my spiritual fathers, and at such a time, I needed to hear your shared grief, anger, and love for the church. Thank you for that. Um, so I just wanted to acknowledge uh, this person. You know who you are. Um, I don't need to tell you who you are. Shout out to you. Um, but I, I, I read that, and I was just really grateful um, that we are we're feeling the same things. Like, sometimes it's nice to know we're on the same page. And I th- just her words on the the statements that came out, while well polished and well said, left something to be desired. And I think that's exactly the reason why we had to do that podcast together. Yeah. And I really want to commend our Archbishop uh, Archbishop Aquila because he put our uh, podcast on the Promise page. Yeah. Which I was like, you know, alongside of his statement, uh, Father Randy Dolan's statement, uh, who's our Vicar General, as well as. Um, Word on Fire, and I think somebody else. Um, I was Mike just, Schmitz. Mike Schmitz, yeah, yeah, Father Mike Schmitz. I was like, he acknowledges that there was something authentic in what we were trying to communicate mm-hmm. there. Um, and I know that this scandal hasn't gone away, and I don't know if it will go away, but um, we're still feeling similar things. Um, uh, the emotion's sort of wavering, I guess, you know, in some regard. It's not as as palpable. Um, but the, the main point is... We're in this together, yeah. um, and so we're facing these difficulties together. And just really appreciate uh, your words. So, yeah. another thing I realized about the scandals recently is that as much as we are, we priests um, are shocked and scandalized as much as anybody else. I think there is 
a place, you know, there's a lot of talk about um, lay boards and things like that to bring lay people into the conversation and decision making. And that's awesome and good and necessary. But there's also um, a role that we priests have um, to uh, continue to lead in a way that's going to be purging the church of these things and also giving hope because a lot of priests are the ones who did this. And we priests, in a sense, need to be a way of, of being an obvious part of the healing through Christ. Um, so pray for us. I mean, we, we pray for the victims. We pray for the um, those who have done these things, you know, that they may repent and, and do reparations. But um, please do pray for us because I don't think we understand what an immense role we can have. And a letter like that shows that, you know, people are looking for spiritual fathers that can be eloquent um, and and bring hope and have give the church a future. And give them permission to feel the same things. Yeah. And to actually say, that missed the mark. That missed yeah. the mark. And hopefully, if there are some bishops listening, like, you know, that you can speak with clarity, honesty, and forthrightness, while at the same time capturing, like, uh, your own agony over it. Yeah. Because sometimes I, I just feel like it, it's like reading the catechism. Like, you don't hear anything that's wrong in that. Right. But sometimes it lacks something of the... Human? Of the yeah the 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 incarnational quality of the Christian life yeah and I, and it's nothing against the catechism or whatever I mean you're going to it as a resource but there are times where you actually need to hear from your father yeah um, and uh, I've just been really moved at some of the words that our Archbishop has said around you know it's not just the victims of sexual abuse it's it's the victims of all abuse yeah. um, and that can be perpetrated by a bunch of different people and and um, not just priests. And that can may, may seem like a cop-out, but then there were some people that were really grateful for that because they're like, you're acknowledging our pain as well. Mm. Um, so we need one another, and we need to pray uh, that the Spirit would get us through these difficult times with as much effort as we can give, but also relying upon the help of God. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, folks, nice job. Yeah. We kind of tag teamed and we didn't even know what each other were preaching or talking right. about, but that was two weeks exactly. in a row. <laughs> so Father John is coming home probably next week. Nice. Um, I mean, the next after this podcast comes out, it'll be the next week. So till then, the loon sends you off. Catholic Stuff Podcast, gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, check us out on Twitter, and we'll see you at Seek if you're coming. Are we on Twitter? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, Stitcher? <laughs> I think that was what I was thinking. Rust Stitcher. Stitcher. Check out Seek um, to, um, I don't know, to Indiana, I guess. Indiana, that's where we're going. Yep. I think we've already given that one a little over a month. To North Carolina, South Carolina, Ohio. Whatever. Virginia. Massachusetts. West Virginia. Okay. Check us out. Laters. Bye.